Welcome to Giganomics, the podcast that's all about the future of work. By 2027, it's estimated that more knowledge-based, skilled labor positions in North America will be occupied by giggers. This means that in any given office, freelancers, fractional contractors, and consultants will outnumber full-time employees. The knowledge-based giggers are the world's fastest-growing labor force, and we're here to explore what this means for the world of business, marketing, and technology. Each episode, we'll be talking with business leaders, marketing and tech team leads, freelancers, and consultants in the creative and technology spaces. We'll discuss their perspectives on the benefits, best practices, changes in HR ideology, management philosophies, and of course, the recipes for success. We'll dive deep into the latest trends and insights, as well as the real-world experiences that will help you stay ahead of the curve. So, buckle up and get ready to learn from the best in the biz. Thanks for joining us. And now let's dive into the exciting world of Giganomics. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Giganomics. I'm your host, Katie Kroll, and today we have with us Sammy Davis and Selena Pekia. So Sammy and Selena are going to be regulars on the podcast, on the show, as we tackle all things in terms of the future of work. So first, let's get into some introductions so we all know why they are the people here for this show. So Sammy is Chief Revenue Officer and founder of The Well Creative Consultants. The Well is the first human-centered marketplace for marketing, advertising, communications, and technology, providing clients with support, advice, and recommendations on how to tackle jobs with specialists instead of full-time employees. Sammy's a former ad agency exec, a seasoned entrepreneur and business consultant who has made a career of questioning norms and driving innovation. Late in his ad agency career, Sammy noticed that corporate marketing and technology team needs and their expectations of vendors had changed. And so in 2014, Sammy launched The Well as a direct response to those trends. The Well has since gone on to become really the authority in this ever-changing and emerging knowledge-based gig labor force, which we'll get into more today as well as in future episodes as Sammy and Selena join us. Selena is Director of Advisory Services at The Well, and essentially that means she's the one responsible for vetting and onboarding intermediate to senior level creatives and specialists to the Wells freelance roster. She then plays the role of matchmaker to find suitable opportunities between specialists and clients. So as I said, on today's episode, we're really gonna take that 30,000 foot view approach and we're just gonna give a little intro into the podcast as a whole, why we're here, why we're talking about all these things in terms of the changing um, landscape of how people are working together. So Selena, Sammy, welcome. Thanks for having us, Katie. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. This is going to yeah, be exciting. Yeah, this is exciting. There's, There's a, a lot to cover. To cover. Too much. Too much. Always too much to cover. Today, we'll we'll try to keep it focused. We'll try to get some, some high-level nuggets that will, for sure, lead into more um, detailed episodes in and of itself. 
Um, but yeah, let's dive right in. Sammy, like you've talked about this statistic, like by 2027, it's estimated that, and I think you said a percentage, like 52% or something. 52%. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, the, so the, a lot of the studies that we, we kind of, it's funny cause in, in like at the well, when I'm, when we're w- working with either clients or with the specialists, like a lot of what we talk to each of those audiences about is, is stuff that we gain from our own experience. But when we have to cite stats and stuff, it's, it's interesting to me that a lot of like the, the headway in the statistics of the gig labor force is actually being made by uh, lending agencies. So like MasterCard and, and credit companies are the ones that are forging out all of this research right now. And I think it's because they, they generally, um, they don't know how to lend to these folks. And uh, because they're not employees anymore, Honor, right? Yeah. They're, they're individuals that own businesses, yeah. um, which actually starts a cascade effect in, in your thinking around the fact that like, so this whole adaptation of like, you know, or the, this advancement of the gig labor force and it, it crawling to like going at that pace, because that's 2027, it's estimated right now it's about 32 to 35% of all corporate um like uh, knowledge-based, I mean, white collar-ish, whatever you want to call it, um, uh, all uh, like th- those positions are being occupied, 32 to 35% are being occupied by fractional or contract people. Um, and by 2027, which is like, what, I know, four years as away, I was reading that away? this morning, I was like, 2027, and well, that's so long away. That is like four years away. Yeah, and you're looking at it yeah, like, to 52%. But the thing is, we're talking about giganomics as the future of work. The future is right now. Like, all of this change right now is creating chaos and havoc for the people that are trying to deny yeah. it. The ones that are leaning into it are winning. And, um, like, depending on what week we're all talking, my own personal kind of, you know, tunnel vision shifts I've spent the last three weeks talking almost exclusively to about and for HR managers, and the the stuff I'm finding in there is is just jaw dropping, based on our experience. Uh, you know, Selena and I've been at this for a while. I've been at it probably the longest, but Selena's in a different perspective altogether. She's the one talking with the the specialists and talents. I'm the one talking to an HR manager whose entire career has been based on playbooks that someone else designed Mm -hmm. let's be honest like hr is you don't rock a boat world it they're they're inside they're i mean i'm i'm they 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 play the role of kind of inside counsel without legal degrees at this point um and so now when you go to an hr manager and tell them everything you thought was true is not right and and not to go extremist, oh, not well. to like swing pendulums everywhere. The, the the idea that fractional and gig for gig labor force it's not replacing FTE, but it's also not the consolation prize or poor cousin or the thing will will uh, kind of, I guess we'll do it as a contract because I can't find my full time employee. Like it's not that anymore. Yeah. It's purpose driven. So. HR managers are having, I'm watching it every day now, having the worst time because they don't know what they don't know. 
and they they're having the worst time in actually creating any type of um, understanding around the differences because they're just looking at it as humans. And I think it all begins with this thing that the credit companies are doing is it's not it, it's this hybrid thing you're doing now. You're not hiring a person. You're working with a vendor that is a that the vendor themselves uh-huh. is a single person. So it's a, it's a human vendor hybrid thing, which is why when it leaves just on HR, it fails more often than not. And if it leans, if it doesn't incorporate HR, it also fails. Yeah. So, so Sammy, <laughs> earlier you said you talked about like resistance and kind of this movement to the future of the way work and people and how people work is going. Is that are you seeing largely that resistance from HR managers or? It is, and it's 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 and, and it always sounds like I'm poo pooing that that world, and I, I'm really not. Like what I'm I'm trying to point out that you know that the the adaptability of that industry is on on display right now and it's it's not it's not doing it It, it's and then the adaptability you know there's an iron there's an irony to it in my own experience and that we're now like hr people have to understand people again not policy do you see like right now it's for the last 10 years it's been all about policy and procedure well, when you start to incorporate this type of stuff, it's it's very interesting. And Selena, how long have we worked on vetting processes? And the vetting process we have, could you imagine those vetting processes being implemented without trying to incorporate the FTE stuff? It just wouldn't pass in the HR world, right? And 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 the irony is, if you do it, and this is what I spend my days coaching HR teams with, is... If you approach contract workers and project workers entirely with an FTE playbook and support tools, by that I mean your, you know, your softwares, the stuff that is going to let you move your resume from I saw it, I reviewed it, to I said okay to an interview, to I checked the rep, you know what I mean? Like your little funnel buckets that are glorified CRMs, these things are not doing these, these things, the second you use one of those things and start like asking for a uh, uh, a resume on a marketing, senior marketing contract availability or a fractional C- CMO, you just got rid of more than half of your potential candidates because now you're requiring they have a resume. And the, the thing that I'm talking to businesses about every day is the people you want in those roles don't have resumes. And if they do have resumes, and this is the trip up, because the HR world has sat on resumes for years. If they do have resumes, you are likely, you're you're like, I can't give you an exact stat, but the, the, the likelihood of you inviting a new risk you don't even recognize at this stage by accepting a resume from a contractor is, 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 kind of well it is it's it's policy altering once it hits you once because if it and and a lot of the time the i'm finding the hr crews aren't actually doing that deep reflection to figure out why is it when i went out for a a contractor for a 12-month contract because it's usually the longer ones and i demanded a resume and i did the resume and i just took them through all my (laughs) full-time employment shit stuff 
however that works out. Uh, 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 you know, with to go through the, all my full-time employment stuff, um, why is it, you know, I invested all this time to get that person and now they're grading it even like an FT and then they left. Well, they left because you asked them for a resume and if they were able to give you a resume quickly, what you should be seeing is not, yeah, I got a resume. You should be seeing, oh, if they gave me a resume, that means they're actually out there looking for a full-time job. So if I'm signing them to a 12-month contract and a better one comes along, they're going to bounce. That's what you should be mm, recognizing. Interesting. I haven't heard anyone talk about it um, in terms of like this dynamic up for fractional workers, contractors, freelancers, consultants, whatever you want to call it. And I think we should um, break break those down. I mean, I certainly have my interpretation of how each of those, like we kind of use them, I think a bit interchangeably here, but I think we should maybe define how how we want to to use those different words to represent giggers. Um, but yeah, Sam, just to kind of close that thought, like uh, that's really interesting. And I haven't heard anyone talk about resumes equating to this when you're looking at this type of way of work. And Selena, I saw you kind of light up there. So I definitely want to hear your thoughts on that. But first, maybe Selena or Sammy, let's define, you know, fractional workers versus contractors versus freelancers versus giggers. Like, how do we want to position all of these different words and what they all mean in our world? <laughs> Get in there, Selena. You you have defined this world in a in a way that's uh, all right. So only... fractional would be like your true contract person. So that's going to be a person that's going to feel kind of integrated into your internal team. So that would be perfect for a client that is looking for somebody to work a like you said earlier twelve month contract. So you're looking for somebody that meshes well with the internal culture. They enjoy working with teammates. They jive working with a team. Maybe they like collaborating with either they they string in, they can string in maybe their own people too and be that resource or they just work really well with the internal team, period. So that would be fractional. And then, you know, a true project worker, that would be scope-based. So the example would be, I need a website developed. I need a website designed. That is based on deliverables. So that is not somebody really integrating with your internal team. They're not working for an extended amount of time. They are coming in to get the project done, usually completely remotely. There would be no need for them to even coordinate with your team, maybe just for meetings, status updates and stuff like that. But they're likely not collaborating with your internal team. As I mentioned earlier, maybe they can loop in some of their own people um, maybe they insert a designer that they have or a writer if it's a larger project, but that is truly scope-based. So those would be project people, which are very different from fractional people, which are contractors. All in all, all of them are freelancers well because there is that expectation that they are running their own business. They have a registered business. They are accounting with their own HST and their taxes. Um, but that that is very different than a full-time employee. A full-time employee is looking for salary, is looking for benefits, is looking for security. Um, and what's important here that Sammy was saying earlier, especially with the resume, 
yes, I sit on the specialist side. I have all my strategies around onboarding specialists to our roster. And one of those red flags being when somebody approaches me with a resume and not a portfolio. That for me is you don't have a portfolio, you don't have a LinkedIn, but you're just here circulating your resume. Then I can tell right there you are not a true freelancer. You're likely just somebody who's, you know, looking for something in between jobs. You want that security. COVID especially, a lot of people became freelancers from COVID. So that's a big part of my vetting process is really understanding are you in it? Are you owning your niche? Are you a specialist or are you a generalist who does a little bit of everything? Whatever opportunity comes, you're just going to mold in there like a chameleon. Or are you, you know, truly really established, known for what you do, you know, oh. building building your business on your own and, and by word of mouth and, and representing yourself well? Well, it's interesting because, Selena, like that all touches on you know some of the things that trip up hr and businesses entirely because like forever and i think we are coached into this kind of understanding of freelancing by the the big behemoth um uh marketplaces i could stick some of that to them to kind of say you know they display freelancers as all the same and we break it down and go no you know what motivations are entirely different. And that's where labor force distinction comes from, right? You have a FTE labor force, you have a PTE labor force, part-time employment, yay acronyms. Um, you have, which is different than fractional yeah. though too, because fractional and part-time yeah. employment are not the same thing. Like uh, a part-time employment thing is somebody who's got the benefits and the salary and the schedule yeah. and the blah, 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 blah. And they elevate within that role and they stay there for, there's, there's not a 12 months he could be done or three months he could be done. But like that that whole um, world of now, that back to what I was saying about the psychology, like now you have to press to kind of figure out, all right, what what is this person's purpose, right? Because it's that purpose driven. And, and Something I was thinking about yesterday leading up to this and, and actually remarking on in a couple of different spots yesterday was the idea that, um, and you see this firsthand, I'm sure, like all the time, is um, uh, I was asked about how are freelancers finding work? And I was like, well, there's the other spot the HR managers are suffering because they do passive or they do the use of a traditional kind of recruiter, which is just chasing, right? Um, and all of us here have been a part of the freelance world at some point um and all of us are part of this business that helps manage them and we can i i can say with pretty much confidence is you know most of the the freelancers you're trying to attract are not actually traveling the indeeds and the job posting sites and if they are you got the yeah. same resume problem again and you're by bringing them in they see this as a job, and if you're not going to give them that job, they're going to go to the one who will give them that job. So you might sign someone to a 12-month contract who has no business understanding. And I guess that's the big thing is like HR is used to interviewing people, but who's interviewing the business side of this thing? And, and that led me down a rabbit hole to a really big thing that I think is becoming a concern on the freelance side. Um is for freelancing used to be either seen as it's the person at the end of their career that still wants to stay engaged, so they're going to take a contract even though they're retired, or 
it's the I lost my job in again and in between I'm going to do some stuff um, and I think because of the emergence of that and I, I can't validate it with any real static this statistics other than take our mine and Selena's own experience up and go hey that necessity freelancer if we could qualify them as such the one that's like I need I need Boy. work in between my jobs um, because I don't know where my next job's coming from I, I feel like because of the formality around freelancing and and uh, contracting and, and fractional work becoming an actual gig formal gig labor force those um, necessity freelancers are ultimately being pushed out of the market like the opportunities aren't there right you've got you've got companies now that are planning their entire budgets around freelance yeah. engagements uh, and I've got proof points on that we all have proof points on that you've got an end to full-time employment sal uh, uh, budgets inside corporations but they're increasing say the marketing team budgets or the or the tech team budgets by enough to allow them to bring in fractional help um, and and it's and nobody's going to go and risk building a relationship with somebody that's a necessity freelancer so how are, you know, what's your guys' best solution and workaround to making sure that these people, businesses, agencies, marketing, or, you know, team leads, tech team leads are, aren't getting that necessity freelancer? I think it's the way that most companies can help themselves right off the hop is start to recognize what the different motivations are of different freelance groups and realize that you've got multiple multiple labor forces in the overarching labor in Canada and North America right now. And as I do with all of my talks, the thing I love leaving every business with and every HR person with is abolish and end the word hire in all of your practices and internally. Because hire one set of passive actions that you're very used to and it means you're leaving almost all of the modern solutions that will give you budget fluidity and all of that stuff, you're leaving them all on the table and you'll never access them because you're demanding higher. And let's be honest, we're in a day and age where even when the economy's amazing, higher and now invites mm -hmm. risks that nobody ever thought would be the risks they would be talking about. So what about. word should they be replacing higher with? Well, it's just like the whole mentality about the single entity resume. There is no word to replace it with. As soon as you look to replace it with a single thing, yeah, yeah. you're back in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. What? It's because like you do you have your 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 gig labor force, right? You've got you've got um the the uh you've got a developing labor force in immigration. You've got a developing labor force in, in handicapped adults. Um you've got a developing labor force in in um, return to labor force. You've got, and not all of them are looking for FTE. So now there's engagement types and now there's negotiation types. Um, you know, we used to, our, like my generation, we're always negotiating on salary. Um, the two newest generations coming in in FTE models, they'll look up what the salary is supposed to be and you better hit that. That's all they're looking for, right? They're, they're more into yeah. what's my lifestyle going to be. 
And are you going to be as nice to me as you're going to demand me being as nice to you? And if not, yeah, we're not, we so don't got to deal. It's, it's such um, a changing world in so many different areas. To add to that point as well, what Sammy was just saying, I'm seeing a lot, even from my freelancers, they all want trial periods. Um, and I'm speaking about the fractional ones who are being offered 12-month or 6-month contracts. They're coming to me and saying, let's start with three months and see how it goes. And I'm also seeing that from the client side as well with them suggesting, let's start with three months and this could potentially turn into six, 12 or longer. And um, so I think, I think I'm definitely seeing that shift on both ends and it's nice to see that people are, are meeting it on both sides. So we're definitely, there's definitely some changes in the landscape happening overall. And um also bridging off of that as well um when you have let's talk about the example of a product launch you know you could hire a salaried employee for a product launch pay them a big salary and then once that product is launched what are you doing with that employee so that is where the solution of having a team of freelancers to come in who are intermediate to senior level, who own their niche, somebody who's a writer, a strategist, like different different specialties coming together, abolishing the need for a generalist, which is what you're seeing in a lot of intermediate and senior level positions. You know, you when know, you look what? at job postings, you're, right, you're, you're looking at full-time employment. You're seeing that people want this much experience in this, this much experience. They're covering like five different specialties, five different skill categories that could actually be maybe a team of five or maybe a team of three who are sure. who are not going to be generalists who, like I said, own their niche and are going to come out with a much better product who's going to just knock your socks off and then you don't need to worry about what you're doing with them when that agreed scope is over or when that agreed contract time is over. So it really is a win-win for everybody true freelancers they love doing that type of work and then clients when they get behind the logic of what we're explaining here it's a win for them as well i think some of the things too that scare clients and that selena is is what we're talking about is not an hr practice although everyone would love to dust it over and just go that's hr's problem it actually demands a whole new approach to management from everybody that has to work with a fractional workforce or a gig-based workforce because no longer is it did they did they am i watching them work are they with me are they you know are they doing this are they doing this? it's more about now as a manager i got to set expectation not care as much about how they got there but just make sure they did um right and and that's not an easy change for a lot of people which is why it gets pushed over to HR to go, hey, you know, vet our, our, our stuff. And HR, you know, in some cases is using some of the uh, some of the stuff we're talking about. And he is getting into figuring out what the differences are and signing in people in a, in a good way without somebody like us. More often than not, when it is with somebody like us, they get that extra layer of, of you know, hey, here's all their ins and outs and nuances. But, you know, when they when they are doing that, the, the you know, the even if you do the best vetting ever, if the management system and the teams are and the management approach and philosophy is not there, it's not going to work. Um, 
at the same token, I mean, I have a personal experience of, you know, um, you know, that, that, the, the, I think the reason the gig labor force is it, there's an agility where it can plug in in all kinds of different places in all kinds of different ways. And so to your point, um, Selena, even further with the whole, you know, hey, the product's launched. Now what is this person or people going to be doing? I mean, the natural reaction will be, well, they're maintaining and they're continuing and they're advancing and blah, blah, blah. But we know as a marketing you know, as marketing subject matter experts, that what's true today is not going to be true to it in a year. And you've got such changes in the field at all times that once that product is launched, just like executive leadership, the person that got you to launch is not the person necessarily that's going to grow it once it's past launch. That's a whole set of different skills. And when you hire for that person, you're stuck with it now. You're going to have to hope they get those skills, right? Whereas if you're going fractional to that point, once it's launched, I'm bringing in a new team or I'm going to overlap so they can see how the launch happened. And then I'm going to bring in a new single person, drop the, drop the budget down, have them look after that for the life cycle of the, and then if we're looking at hiring, we are going to hire a generalist just to oversee the whole thing in a very uh, kind of 30,000 foot level. And that's kind of the, where it all fits together. So often I get looked at as like, Hey, you're telling me I got to scrap all my full-time employment for gig. No, 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 no. I'm telling you, they all got to work together. And, and here's one of, that's a great benefit of like, you know, you're going to have, you're going to lean on different skill sets to get you from, from the point of launch to growth and totally different skill sets to get you from point of conception to grow, to, to launch. Um, and by hiring, then you're stuck with certain things and trying to find yeah. people stuff to do, which doesn't always work out. I yeah, think. it's really about like <laughs> understanding your business and what's going on in your business so well. But also what I'm hearing a lot of is like the fundamental need, like where behavior change comes into all of this and how big and tricky of a thing that can be. So like Sammy, Selena, how do you envision like you know, like we're saying on one side, like by 2027, this is really going to take over. It's going to be 50% of the market that, you know, giggers are occupying alongside of, you know, traditional full-time employees. But then there's also this hurdle of behavior change. So like, how do you see like the two going hand in hand and, um, you know, merging together? Like, do you, like, it makes so much sense as we're sitting here today talking about this way of work. But do you think it's going to catch on as quickly as as the market is saying it's going to be? I, I think it might even be faster myself. Um, I mean, Selena, what do you think? Yeah, hundred percent, a hundred percent. I think, I think, like Sammy was saying earlier, the behavior change is going to be. Um, you're going to see heads of the marketing department that are managing all freelancers, all different freelancers. For example. Yeah. We already have it. We're going to have a guest on this show, which it's a few people that are just, they're, you know, they're the VP and that's it. And everyone else is as needed, when needed, based on skill set, availability, culture, dynamics, personality fits. Same, some of that same stuff that happens in full-time employment, but then a bunch of vendor stuff too. Um, to then walk them in 
I think I, I think it's going to be faster, especially every time the market changes. Uh, like, because we're always looking at them as positive changes or negative changes, right? More money in the market, less money in the market, more people spending, less people spending. But as the market changes, every time it changes, positively or negatively, you see more and more leaning into this kind of work thing because it's fluid, right? Like you, you, you well, I talk about full-time employment risks and, 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 you know, again, I get the traditionalists angry about that there and it's not angry is angry is the wrong word but they get a little miffed They're like who are you what do you what you know who are you to say that um but i mean how many times have you had to downsize and let you know five six people go and pay them severances for yeah. no work or, or give them you know working notice yeah you think you're getting good stuff out of that you know and now you're into more cash for um you know, for, for ending or, or moving uh, benefits or paying out vacations. And, you know, you're, you're, you've got all kinds of things. And when the market's tumultuous, or if it's like marketing, where there's yeah. always something new at play, right? You're going, you're going to start seeing more and more people catch on to go, you know what, we need that fluidity. We need that ability to harness our budgets when they need harnessing. And let them go when we can let them go, um, and and I think that's going to be a huge factor that I don't think anybody calculated in in the in, in initial. Like a lot of the studies, kind of happened in that 2020 to 2022, 2019 to 2022 kind of area, and they're being updated a lot. But I I would gather if I was to look today at some of them, it'd be it'd be they'd be going yeah this this number going to change. Yeah, give it give it till twenty twenty five, and you're going to see it incrementally faster, yeah. higher there. Um, what I think is interesting is it's not like we play in the marketing, comms, some tech, but it's not just those fields Matter. anymore. Like that's why it's being qualified as knowledge based, right? Um, I mean, Selena, we've talked about and seen it firsthand with with the financial service suppliers. Um, you know, the accounting world has been doing this for a while, but now it's becoming the norm, um, you know? And, and it really is, I think the problem we get into is is always looking for one that's yeah, better right. over the other. It's not, they all belong in the market yeah, in right. time, right? And sometimes it can be heard of like, oh, those freelance folks are talking about how the full-time employee people are, aren't as good as the freelance folks. Yeah. No, no, they're all just different. Yeah. And they have their application with them. Right. And, and that understanding of this is a person that fits a full-time employment thing because, and we are going to build around them and, and, and compensate them maybe even differently than, um, than you would traditionally too, to make sure they are there. I mean, one of the giant misnomers I'm always battling against is the idea that if I hire someone, I get that loyalty yeah, yeah. and that, that lock-in. And I'm like, not anymore. Are you? <laughs> no, like because <laughs> leaving in a a full time employee can leave faster, leaving yeah. in a worse lurch because they will tell you it's coming. Yeah. Whereas anybody who's running their own business, and that's part of what we vet on, is like, do you understand the business aspect? Fine, you're good at doing as of being a designer. You're a good marketing person or whatever, but you know, are you are you any good at the business side? So that we can understand, like. Do they do they understand that your reputation is such that 
you know, you're, you're not going to be that person to leave somebody in the lurch. Like a contractor's livelihood is built on reputation. You know, it's, it, and whereas a full-time employee, they're the first ones to go to their next full-time employee. I mean, get, oh, Jesus, I was over there, blah, 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 blah. You learn to build resent faster. Whereas even if that resents on the contracting side, it's rarely yeah. aired. It's not going to make its way out there. Um, so it's, 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 it's a, it's that comfort of tradition that might make people say that. But the reality is that you probably get more loyalty mm -hmm. out of a, out of a, a freelancer because they're open that you guys can, you know, if it's working, everyone wants to continue to work together. Yeah. Yeah. There's always another opportunity and project down the line. And I think that's the lens that a true freelancer, um, approaches work and relationships with. And I think that's part of that necessity yeah. freelancer being yeah, almost 100%. pushed out of the market because you don't have the opportunity yeah. to do that, right? It's all good right now. And I mean, Selena, maybe you can talk to the fact of like, you know, whenever someone starts freelancing, there's a lot of adrenaline involved and a lot of, yeah, I'm going to prove it to everybody. But then there's a wall that usually comes along and, and, that's part of what we do here is to make sure that they're mm -hmm. past that wall. I I actually wanted to bridge off of something that you said earlier there um, about free like freelancers and and I wanted to talk about the appeal as well to clients. Like from a client's perspective, the traditional let's talk about the traditional marketer who's worked in different companies. So maybe they've worked, you know, the, the loyalty factor. They've been at one company for 10 years, another company for 10 years. Now they're at 20 years of experience. They're definitely senior level, but senior level in two companies, not senior level in marketing as a whole and keeping up with all the changes that have happened with marketing. I have experienced speaking yeah. with people that are like, like you know, strategist, senior level, resume type folk, mm -hmm. and they're not they 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 don't they can't do strategy for these new social media platforms that we're seeing. They don't know how to adapt to that and integrate with that. So I just wanted to speak to the benefit as well for employers. It's like when you are engaging with freelancers, the benefit of that is that they've worked with so many different clients. Imagine how much intel and insight and like what a rounded picture that they have of working with so many different clients. Like that experience is so valuable. And also freelancers have to be on top or they will get left behind if they are not constantly updating their skills, their certifications. Full-timers, Maybe they don't have an opportunity to update their skills and their certifications. So that's actually another thing that we ask in our vetting process. You know, what certifications have you acquired in the last three years? What what skills have you been working on? We're seeing a lot of freelancers getting awards as well. Like it's it's just super impressive what's possible when you are tapping into freelancers. And that is not to say that that will replace full-time workers i think what we're going to see is that full-time leadership be a lot about full-time leadership and full-time leaders are going to yeah. be now trained differently so we're going to see programs that in incorporate leadership and freelancers and how do we lead 
freelancers, how do we manage freelancers? We'll probably see a lot of trainings around that. I wouldn't doubt that that would be in the curriculum of university yeah. programs down the line as well. We're, well, and it's interesting. We're also starting to see, like when I talk about the the change in, in management entirely, like there's all kinds of things we can anecdotally talk about. Like, you know, you've, you're seeing a changing in the guard. The management tier is being replaced by a younger generation. So there's different skill sets being brought to bear, all kinds of different metrics and ways to manage, like set expectation. Don't worry about how they got there is just one piece. But Selena, I've seen recently people building out essentially uh, resource or human capital schedules so that they can find the balance and reap all the benefits of self. Like, you know, you have a fractional, let's say, you know, in this case, it was a company that had probably three fractional, like digital style marketers and one that was more traditional marketing. Um, and they were kind of on that PM level, like just organizing everything and was able to, when they have given their budgets to get things made or get things implemented, able to kind of look at it and go, yeah, yeah, that's truth and that's not, or hey, you're, you know, you're fudging the numbers or you're not. So, but they had them in waves where it was like, this person's gone for the next three months. This person's gone for two months. This person's, and the, the, that change in mentality, because the old school mentality was, no, I got to keep them and have them. But then if you do that, you don't get the outside influence. And now instead of building culture and strength and loyalty, you're actually building resentment of, you know, hey, I, I want to just take a break and go. Right. I'm going to go, I'm going to go live somewhere else for two months and go, you know, hang out in Prague for two months and then I'll be back. But I mean, it's true, right? Like, it's like you need the out, outside influence and, and not all FTEs are constructed in a way that will permit that. So it's, it's that change in management ideals. It's not just HR philosophies, that management ideal. It's so huge. And, and like I said, forever, it was like, deny them, deny those, deny those, deny those. But you know, it's, it's the folks that are leaning into it are really winning. Um, especially right now where it's, you know, everyone's looking at their own P and L's going, okay, why is everyone just waiting around? You got the the on again off again recession talk and or recession whatever it is monster that's waiting in the wings, um, and and you got people that are trying to push decisions further down the line, um, you know again the benefits of that fractional workforce the on again off again workforce, but they I I wonder if you're going to see that as a tool now as the advent of a of a human capital calendar as opposed to what's yeah. my hiring strategy. Good point. I wonder if I wonder if that's something we shouldn't start creating yeah, for some of our clients. Really, <laughs> Another thing that I see too is is the idea of like wanting people to be full timers because of the culture fits, um, and wanting that culture to happen in the office, and wanting people to come into the office for the culture of the workplace. And might I just say, you know, our team is completely remote and we have a fabulous culture and anything that we do, it is catered to each individual and what our each staff member is intrinsically motivated, not just because we told them to be motivated by it. So 
that is a piece of advice well, that, that I would give to clients as well. It's like, yeah, you know, think about what is intrinsically, internally <laughs> motivating each individual. Be and circulate a survey, like figure it out in some kind. Get to know people intimately. Have conversations with them. Don't just assume that everybody wants to be at your pizza party so badly you know don't assume that oh you talking about uh people are motivated by by the same things by food or you know it's like it's like what are they doing in their personal lives like can we reward them for something not attached to what they do at work how about that like what are they doing for themselves like that to me is culture culture is really bringing what makes an individual an individual and likely what makes them an individual does not exist on your team it's everything that they are outside of your team that they bring into your team so let's celebrate them for that well it's interesting because culture is one of the things that you know traditionally in in kind of in 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 business circles is that thing that's always bandied about and and how many strategic planning dollars have gone to kind of defining culture and all this kind of stuff without really, and, and what's great is the labor, the gig labor forces have kind of put a magnifying glass on that, that whole dynamic within every company. Um, and I'm t when I talk with businesses, I, I talk to them a lot, Selena, about the fact that like, stop trying to coddle and hide your culture because now to attract gig workers, to get the people that aren't just fair weather or necessity freelancers, to get people you can rely on and build around and depend on in a different way than you're used to, but in a very beneficial way, you need to lead with culture. You don't need to hide it and keep it inside. Your social media stuff should not be full of more sales, more ads, more sales. It should be bragging about who your people are, why your people are, what your stuff is, what your what your real stuff is, and that I guess cascades into the organized joy side because, in the absence of that, everyone just attaches themselves to every good cause, every good everything, and and it becomes a washing, whether it's green or whatever you want, whatever color we're going to apply to it. You know, there's this whole washing effect that we're seeing, and those are the ones that aren't able to attract this workforce, to be quite honest, because it's seen as yeah, when you're trying to be everything, you're you're not like it's just seen as more false. And, and so that's why when we get challenged with the, how do we attract people? First step you can do is let everyone see your culture. Stop, stop making it your own thing, right? Let everybody see it. Something that Selena, you might not see because of, of where you're sitting in the, like where, what, what side of the fence you sit on in terms of the management of, of the day to day, um, is the idea of culture documentation. Um, and for a long time, it used to be like this idea of like, oh, let's record our culture at strategic planning level and blah, blah, blah. And it was all done by like the executives. Um, I talk a lot these days about, you know, if you're as a part of your FTE side, granted, that's not what this is about, but it's still a helpful clue as a part of your FTE pieces, because it does help in your, in your attracting and, and working with contractors develop out, um, culture documents and a culture document further than a survey doesn't come from your executives. It's your, um, staff 
and your other contractors, documenting and telling the truth, not compliments, telling you the truth about yeah. what it's like <laughs> to work here, right? And because the, your new generations that are coming into the workforce are making, they're not making what job do I want choices, they're making what job do I want and what kind mm -hmm. of engagements do I want? Am I going to be a project worker? Do I find success in, in full-time employment? Do I find success in this and that and this? And they'll experiment for a while, but they are making those choices. And having that culture document in the traditions used to be, it, it was full of frigging compliments for ourselves. Um, but it's not that anymore. That younger generation will call bullshit on that and go, yeah, yeah, that's not real. That's what you want me to see. So it's show me the dirty side. I want to see what I shouldn't see. Um, so I'm always telling people, when you build a culture document, don't take it and filter it and make it all nicey-nice. Let, some, let no. some ugly ride, because that's true culture, and that's an honesty that'll attract people that you'll have in the long haul. Yeah, that's such a good moment. Wow. Cheers. That's juicy. Mic drop. The mic has been dropped. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, we're going to go work on our <laughs> culture With that, we're working on a document right now. Edie, feel free to chime into our document. <laughs> yeah. No one but I think that's a good, I think that's a good way to, to, to end the show. I think, I think that was great. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Giganomics. We hope you found some golden nuggets about the future of work that you can take and apply to your own career, team, or company. If you're feeling inspired by anything we heard here today and you want to connect further, drop us a line at giganomics at gotothewell.ca. If you want to take your freelance career to the next level or you're a business looking to get the most out of the gig labor force, we're here to help. Fill out a form at gotothewell.ca slash giganomics, which will be linked in the show notes below. Don't forget to leave a comment on what resonated most with you today and hit subscribe so you can always stay ahead of this ever-changing landscape. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll catch you next time on Giganomics.